Yeah, good morning, Renew. It's a full morning already. Uh, I'm, yeah, just overflowing with what's been happening in our midst, even this morning. Uh, yeah, yay God. Uh, if you've been with us um, over the last two months, we've been digging into the New Testament version of the Shema, or what Jesus said is the greatest commandment. To love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Because our vision for our community is to be one where we are growing more and more in love with Jesus. So we've been examining that passage, and we've had some just really good practical ideas from those teachings about how we can love God better. Uh, We heard about storytelling and the prayer of examine as ways to help us love God with our mind. Confession and Sabbath as ways to love God with our soul. Worship as a key element in tuning our hearts to love God. And discuss ways that we might love God with our strength, which includes not only our strength, but our weaknesses. Not only our strength, but our power, as well as our, our resources and our wealth. And I encourage you just to go back and review those notes and continue having those discussions because we've heard some great things that are happening in our midst as people lean in and say, what does it mean to love God with all that I have and all that I am? But above all, the thing that has stood out to me the most as we've dug into this series is the good news that God loves all of us, that God loves all of our being. That God loves all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And not only that, but Jesus loves us with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, and with all of his strength. And we've been reminded of the story and the truth that God loves us exceedingly. That God's love for us exceeds all expectations, exceedingly more than we can ask or imagine that Jesus has given his everything for us. That's the story of the gospel, the story that culminated last weekend as we entered into Good Friday and Easter Sunday, the death of Christ upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins because of his love for us. And Resurrection Sunday, the good news that death is not victorious. That Christ is alive. Last weekend was such a significant time for us to enter into that story, to remember the fullness of God's love for us. We had an amazing celebration last Sunday. That beautiful good news. The good news of God's love. The good news that Christ died for us and that he lives for us. And we heard stories, just like we heard this morning, stories of resurrection and transformation and how God continues to be at work in our midst as his love gets a hold of us and transforms us. Jesus has poured out his love to us. In Christ, we have received all the fullness of God's love for us. And yesterday, I got an email from Dennis. 
with a passage that he had been reading in Acts 20, and I haven't gotten a chance to talk with Dennis about the passage and, and why he sent it to me. So I'm looking forward to that conversation, Dennis. Uh, but as I was reading it, this, this last little bit in Acts 20, 35, jumped out, jumped out off the page to me. It says this, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed to give than to receive. More blessed to give than to receive? This is amazing, Renew. It's been pretty freaking amazing to me to receive the blessing that God loves me with God's everything. To receive the fullness of God's love. What a blessing and a gift. How could it be possible to be more blessed than that? And yet, there it is. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So the good news gets even better. Because not only has Jesus poured out his love for you to receive, but God has invited you into that story, into that mission, to give it and to share it. And he promises that it's even more blessed because we only truly enter into the fullness of God's blessedness when we participate in sharing love. Because love is the language of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is a shalom kingdom of wholeness, of well-being, justice, peace. And love is the lifeblood that makes them all possible. It is a kingdom characterized first and foremost by love. And that is why it was so natural for Jesus to follow up the Shema of loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength and make it a dual greatest command. As Dave Balecki likes to say, they asked Jesus what's the greatest and he gave them two. Love your neighbor as yourself because love is the language of the kingdom and receiving God's love moves us to give it, invites us to share it. How some of you may be familiar with this story. It's one of my favorites from uh, Shane Claiborne, and I think I've shared it with some of you. Uh, but he talks about his experience going to Calcutta, India, um, and visiting with Mother Teresa, and then he's getting to know some of the, the kids who live on the streets, and they're beggars. And as he gets to know one boy, he finds out that his birthday is coming up. So Shane is thinking, what do, you, what do you get a boy who has nothing? And he lands on buying him an ice cream cone. And so he gives the boy the ice cream cone. And he takes a lick, smiles from ear to ear, and shouts, we've got ice cream! Everybody gets a lick! And he runs around and lets all the other kids take a taste of his ice cream cone. And then he goes up to Shane and says, you got to try this. That's the good news. In 1 John, it's put this way. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands 
concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. In other words, our blessedness, our joy in God, our communion with God, our eternal life, our love of God is not complete is not full until we share it, until we give it away. Love is meant to be shared. Love is meant to be received and given even more than ice cream. Because love is the language of the kingdom of God. And we enter into eternal life here and now when we receive and give love. In Mark 12, where we find the Shema, upon hearing Jesus' summation of the greatest command to love God with our everything and to love our neighbor as ourself, the religious teacher responds, Well said, I know you're right, that loving God and loving other people is more important than giving offerings and sacrifices and religious activities. And Jesus responded to him and said, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Or in other words, yes, love is the activity of the kingdom. Now go and do it. And in Luke 10, where we have this great command being recited by a religious leader who approaches Jesus with the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asks him what he thinks, and the expert in the law says, love God. Love your neighbor. To which Jesus responds, yes, do this, and you will live. Live in the sense of enjoying real, active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom of God. Or as I read in a great article by Seth Wheeldryer, we journey toward God knowing eternal life is less status attained than experience shared along the way. True, abundant life is experienced along the way of Jesus, the way of true love. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Our God pours out his love to us and invites us to give love because love is the language of God's kingdom. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's why the love command is twofold. Love God. Love your neighbor. Because in so doing, we see the kingdom of God breaking in. God's reign entering into the pain and brokenness of our world. In loving the way God calls us to love, we experience God's dream, God's purpose for us and for our world. In the weekly email this week, Doug wrote uh, with excitement about the resurrection and what we experienced last weekend and and how God's working in our midst. And he asked the question, what do we do with the resurrection? How do we share it this week? And I think the answer is, love your neighbor. Love them with the love of God. 
Love them because they are God's image bearer. Love them because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Love them because the tomb is empty. Because the God of love has conquered sin and death. And so over the last two months, we've talked about loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And today, we're talking about loving our neighbor. And I'm wondering if loving our neighbor starts with our eyes and our ears. Uh, a group of folks gathered earlier this week and met with Doug and I, and just, we just shared different thoughts and ideas about what it means to love others. And one of the key themes that came out of that conversation was that we need to learn to pay attention. We need to learn to pay attention to our neighbors, to pay attention to others. And so two questions arose out of that conversation. Who do you need to see? And who do you need to see differently? Jesus told a pretty famous story about what it means to love your neighbor. And so much of this story is about seeing and seeing differently. <clears throat> the man, the expert in the religious law, wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them, and he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now, go and do the same. So first, who do you need to see? Who are the people you need to pay attention to? Maybe it's individuals that you pass by every day but barely notice. Maybe it's people who have been pushed to the margins by our society, perhaps persons of another race, persons who identify as LGBTQ, persons who deal with mental illness, or persons who are immigrants. Who do you need to see? I'm so grateful that we've been praying for our global partners and how they've helped us to see people a little bit better. But who in our neighborhoods do we need to see 
whoever those persons are, how might you better see them? How might you better see them as persons who bear the image of God? And secondly, who do you need to see differently? There's probably some overlap in these two questions. But I think in this one we get into how we see people. Uh, As Michael Smith shared in our conversation, do we see people in judgment or do we see them generously? Do we see them in a negative light or in a positive light? Do we see them with condemnation or with grace? So who are the people that we may see in a very negative light? These are the people who annoy us, frustrate us, make us angrier than we ever have been. The people we may feel we're competing against. People we just can't stand. People we may even go so far as to call our enemies. Jesus told us something about what we should do with our enemies, right? Love them and pray for them. So who do you need to see differently? What if you started by praying for them? I've been really encouraged. There's a, there's a group of ladies who have been doing a book study with uh, The Good and Beautiful Life. And one of the activities in that book is actually to pray for your competitor. And I've loved hearing some stories about how that has impacted them as they've prayed for the people who drive them crazy, the people who they see as their competition So I'd actually like to take a few minutes this morning to pray, to allow you space to pray. As someone comes to mind who you have a hard time with, pray for them. Pray that God will bless them, provide for them, help them to have success, that God would look upon them with favor. And pray that God will help you to see them as he sees them. Maybe even help you to love them. So I'd actually like you right now to to find a partner. Uh, You might want to get up and move around. I don't, it doesn't matter to me, but find a partner and share with your partner the name of that person that comes to mind. And you and your partner pray together for those people. All right, uh, so thank you all for taking the time to pray with each other and to pray for somebody who may have felt a little uncomfortable to pray for. Uh, As you all were praying, I passed out some sheets. They may be just on the chair next to you. I didn't want to interrupt too much. And on that sheet, there are two blank spaces. So each person should have a sheet. And there's two blank spaces. I'd like you to get out a pen and write the name of the person that your partner shared with you in both of those spaces. So the name of the partner, the name that your partner shared with you, write that into both of those blank spaces there. And after you've written that name in both of those blank spaces, would you read that story to your partner? Well, our, our kids are getting back 
ready to join us again. Uh, but Renu, I wonder, I wonder is, is this what it means to be made in the image of God? To be able to give and to receive love. Brothers and sisters, can we see people in the image of God? Can we see people as capable of compassion, as capable of giving and receiving love? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that you have deemed us all worthy of your love. That you pour it out for us with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You have loved us exceedingly. And we thank you that you have promised that it is more blessed to give than to receive. So I pray that you would shape our hearts. Turn them toward our neighbor. Help us to see our neighbors the way that you see them. And we give and receive love as freely as you have given it to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.